1: They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty stores and ulta.com.
2: It's Friday, April 9th. I'm Akila Hughes,
3: and I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast they play at the White House when they need Joe Biden's dog to calm down.
2: Yeah, and based on news reports, they're playing it 24-7. You know, this is their jock jams.
4: (laughs) They love it.
2: (laughs) On today's show, we give you an inside look at the military coup in Myanmar and then some headlines.
3: As a reminder, that coup began on February 1st. On that day, the parliament was set to hold its first session since the fall elections where the National League for Democracy, or NLD, won a majority of seats. But the military refused to accept the results and detained leaders of the party in addition to other officials, including the NLD's president, Aung San Suu Kyi. From there, the military swiftly began to take control of infrastructure, the media, and also suspended phone access and flights.
2: Then later the same month, what had been largely peaceful protests turned deadly when two unarmed protesters were killed by security forces, including a 16-year-old boy. There was also a protest in the form of a general strike on February 22nd, but with each passing day, the military has become more violent towards civilians. The military has now killed over 550 people and detained or tortured many thousands more, according to one human rights group. Among those dead, more than 40 children.
3: And basic information has been hard to come by for the people in Myanmar. Under the military's control, journalists have been arrested, non-state-owned newspapers have stopped publishing, and internet outages are frequent. But despite all that, Eamon Thant has been able to report. Thant was there from the very beginning, giving an eyewitness account of what they were seeing on the streets. They are Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists, and they had to flee the country two weeks ago, but have been meticulously covering the events. We spoke to them this week about Myanmar's past, present, and future— Here's that conversation.
2: A, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So first off, I just want to ask, you know, how are you doing? Because, you know, it's been an incredibly intense and scary time from everything that we're seeing online about it and the news reports that we are getting. You know, how are are you feeling?
4: Uh, I think every hour is a little bit different. Um, You know, the coup the dynamics of it changes, uh, day by day. And, you know, there are some days where, you know, 140 people get killed and there's a, some days where you count yourself lucky that it's just one or two. And those are unfortunately now the good days. Um, wow. so, you know, I think there's a lot of grief and collective mourning that's happening, uh, as well as, you know, a fair bit of anger and, uh, Sometimes also, I think a lot of times, also quite a lot of joy. You know, the first night when they started using, like, sound grenades uh, in Yangon, you know, you heard all these, like, very scary, loud booms going off all over the city. And then out of the darkness, you hear someone yell, Happy New Year's. And (laughs) there's people refusing to be cowed uh, and just really saying, you know, No matter what's happening, we're going to live our lives and we're going to be happy and there's going to be a future.
2: Absolutely. I
4: mean, we're
2: incredibly happy that you're in a safe place and you're even able to talk to us. But can you tell us a little bit more about the past couple of months? You know, like what did the day-to-day look like under the coup while you were
4: still in Myanmar? You know, I think if when you're outside the country, it's it can seem like it's just chaos and violence all the time everywhere, but The violence can get really localized uh, in certain areas. So in Yangon, uh, the the main commercial city, the districts that are being focused on are where the majority of low wage factory workers are working, Mm -hmm. where they're heavily unionized, they're very organized, and they've been part of the leading force of uh, the civil disobedience movement against the coup. Um, because, you know, they're poorer, they're probably less connected, and sort of violence against the poor is kind of just normalized, right, in a lot of ways, where wealthier neighborhoods are not targeted the same way. You know, there's some neighborhoods where people are getting manicures and just going out for brunch, and there are other other dis- wow. uh, townships where, in this very same city, there's essentially, um, not a war, because it's not two groups of combatants, but, you yeah. know, just essentially massacres happening. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And tens of thousands of people have been participating in what's being called the civil disobedience movement or CDM. Can you talk a little bit more about the different ways that people are taking part?
4: Yeah, I think there's been quite a lot of international focus on the street protests, which, you know, obviously, visually, it's very striking. And some of the sort of main strategic goals of the civil disobedience movement are to try to deny the military uh, regime legitimacy, uh, funding and cooperation. So in terms of legitimacy, there's a huge push Uh, towards the international community to not associate with the regime, to not speak to them, to not uh, Mm -hmm. in any way acknowledge them as the government of Myanmar. And then the move to um, starve the regime, essentially, of funding. Uh, There's been push for Mm -hmm. sanctions. There's been push for companies to uh, not pay taxes as long as that money is going towards the military regime. Uh, And then there's a movement of uh, civil servants who are choosing not to go to work, who you know, are essentially risking not just their salaries, but also their homes. Uh, the government provides housing for most civil servants uh, who choose to take it. These are all people who have uh, all of their information in a government database, where they can just come and essentially uh, arrest you. And we've seen Jeez. that the regime is not picky about who they arrest. Um, They were looking for one National League for Democracy member, the uh, sort of party that won the most votes in the election. And because he wasn't home, they took his two-year-old child.
2: Wow. So you've mentioned the military violence, which, you know, is really striking online. The videos that we've seen are horrible. The pictures are terrifying. Um, and, you know, this is happening to protesters and regular civilians. So how has this affected the outlook or the general approach of the resistance movement?
4: There's definitely a significant portion of uh, protesters and anti-coup activists who believe that you know either self-defense or active engagement is the way forward. You know, Myanmar has one of the world's longest-running civil wars. They're seventy years deep into uh, wars in certain areas of the country, um, and so there are these just many groups of uh, small armies and militias uh, around the country. That, for now, we mostly see them uh, accompanying protesters in the regions that they're active in, in order to ensure that uh, the, these protesters don't get shot. And that's in part why we see more shootings in the in places like Yango, where these uh, armed groups are not active. But as more and more engagement happens, it's becoming more and more likely that uh, we will see uh, more violence at a sort of a much more dispersed violence throughout the country uh, from, you know, multiple angles.
3: Yeah. And... Uh. We had talked about this earlier, but, you know, you had to flee the country. What was the point that made you think that it was best to get out? And what have things been like for journalists as of late?
4: I decided to get out when I thought that sort of my privileges as a U.S. passport holder would essentially provide no more protection um, you know, being a foreign national in Myanmar, you have quite a lot of privileges. And um I mean, I look Burmese. And so there's like visually <laughs> less bit. production. <laughs> yeah. um, like if I was totally. a blonde white lady, you know, maybe less likely to get <laughs> accidentally shot. But yeah. um, I decided <laughs> totally. when uh, they began to target journalists specifically, uh, and began to arrest foreign journalists that I would be leaving. um are Essentially, the week I made that decision, another Burmese American journalist had actually gotten arrested. And, you know, I'm too soft for jail. And what also. It's <laughs> what I always say, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Uh, I decided to leave before it was too late for me to leave. Yeah. Um, but the situation for journalism is fairly bleak. Um, although, there, I think there's also hope um, in that. Myanmar people are very creative and they, you know, they've lived under dictatorship for a very long time and have found ways to be subversive. And so even with all of these Internet shutdowns and cutting mobile data, news is still getting out. Um, And there's also been uh, a a few... um, essentially newsletters that are starting up mm-hmm. now now um the newspapers have essentially stopped printing if they're not uh, military run um but there are these sort of like one to two page pamphlets that people are just passing out in the streets and just going really low tech in the face of these sort of yeah. more high tech uh suppression efforts
2: yeah wow. How do you feel about how, you know, Western or international coverage has been about the unrest? You know, what are these outlets getting right? What are they getting wrong? Um, you know, what's your
4: what's your sense of it? I think there's been a little bit too much focus on the, the street protests, like especially with television news. Like, you know, it's like street protests are sexy. They look good on camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's lots of people there. You can get a lot of angles. Yeah, And like <laughs> violence is attention grabbing. Um, But, you know, that's not the street protests are not where this movement is going to succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a fight for legitimacy. Right. In within the country, but also on the international stage. And I really wish Mm -hmm. there was more conversation uh, about that and sort of what is happening there and an deeper exploration of the actors at play in Myanmar. Um, I think when we talk about Myanmar coverage, there's just so much focus on uh, how is the U.S. reacting, China. But I think in a moment where we're seeing like a people-led revolution and people-led movements all throughout the world, um, including in the U.S., it's really frustrating that uh, a lot of um, sort of mass media is really focused on, like, who are, like, what are the, like, the leaders doing, the, like, the people who are not sort of living with the daily consequences.
2: This is kind of a big picture question, but, you know, what outcomes and changes are you hoping to see after, you know, hopefully this coup ends and hopefully soon, you know, like, what do you really want to see included in a post-coup constitution?
4: Myanmar needs a reset, essentially. You know, I think a lot of the problems we're seeing in Myanmar are based on the fact that everything has such uh, sort of deep historical roots. Kyi, oh, who is now uh, being held by the military and being Uh, tried is being tried under the a number of different um charges but the biggest one is the official secrets act which is a law from the colonial era uh where essentially (laughs) possessing information that could potentially be harmful to the state is a crime um Mm -hmm. which you know the leader of a nation would have that information. Right, right. Right, exactly. Yeah, if they don't have it, who does? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like essentially a reimagining of Myanmar uh, that includes people and centers people based on civic and community engagement uh, and, and uh, participation as the the main uh, way in which we decide who belongs to a country. Uh a constitution where the rights uh, and heritage of ethnic minorities and religious minorities are respected. Um, and so, yeah, I would want to see a constitution that redistributes power more to individuals and communities uh, and really grapples with Myanmar's diversity and um, includes protections for that in a, a just way. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I hope um, for that, too. Yeah, we we hope for it as well. Uh, well, A, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, really just unbelievable conversation. Thank you.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me and for covering the story.
2: That was Amen Thant, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who's been covering the coup in Myanmar since day one. We'll link to their Twitter account so you can continue to follow the story through their own reporting. And that's the latest for now. It's Friday Wad squad. And for today's temp check, we're talking about a brand new type of document forgery. Hundreds of people on places like Etsy and Facebook are now selling fake CDC vaccination cards. These are the cards you get after your shot. And the idea is to sell to anti-vaxxers who want to do things like get free Krispy Kreme or fly on a plane, but don't want to actually protect themselves or the people around them. 45 state attorneys general got together last week to demand that Twitter, Shopify, and eBay block the sale of fake cards. If you see them being sold, keep your finger on the block and report button. (laughs) Giddy, what is your take on this?
3: This is a disaster. Um, (laughs) I mean, in all kinds of ways. First of all, if you are a person that didn't want some sort of formalized vaccine passport to happen, this is the exact kind of thing that would make that happen because Mm -hmm. if people are going to try to figure out who is and is not vaccinated to keep people safe in various settings and you have a fake one that you're Mm -hmm. presenting buddy you've earned yourself an annoying phone app you've earned yourself some other thing that is going to ask for more information and second why would you pay for a thing that is free no the right.
2: vaccine is free. Right. <laughs> exactly. The vaccine's free. It helps you. But I guess you'll have this piece of paper that ultimately probably won't. And is, you know, I don't know how expensive they are, but I can't imagine spending more than 50 cents on a piece of paper. Like, <laughs> I don't really understand. Uh, but, you know, these these vultures saw a market for it and decided that, you know, it was their time.
3: And also, you can't insulate yourself from the pandemic. What is step two? Right. After you purchase one of these and then go to one of the places where you'd be faking to get in, you get sick because you're not vaccinated. <laughs> <Like>, what, <is, laughs> right. what is step two? I don't you understand. You played yourself.
2: Yeah, right. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I think that, like, for me, the biggest thing is, like, if you truly don't want to get the vaccine, you should own that. Like, I am owning very loudly that I got the vaccine. I'm happy to have it. But, like, if you're a person who's like, I don't want the vaccine, why lie? Why live? I think you just have to own your choices. And it's really cowardly to opt out of just like getting something that honestly isn't even that big of a friggin deal.
3: (laughs) Right. Right.
2: It's just it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. And I think like, yeah, it's only going to make the uh, the record keeping much more intense because like, yeah, thanks a lot. You've introduced this new (laughs) this new variable. People who are bored on Etsy and want to make a few bucks. But uh, just like that, we've checked our temps. (laughs) Stay safe. And by that, I mean just get the vaccine. Like, I don't know why we're out here doing everything but doing that. Just get the vaccine if you can. And uh, we'll be back after some ads.
1: What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it, and they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say I did not know clothes could be... What a Day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals.
0: Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. Really just makes it easy.
1: After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What a Day is brought to you by Ramp. We are all looking for ways to simplify our finances. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that true? (laughs) Lord, tax week, man. That is why there's Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Two
0: things we love to do. Love that. With Ramp, you are able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. Ramp is super easy to use. Get started and start making payments in less than 15 minutes. And now get $250 when you join Ramp.
1: Just go to ramp.com slash wad, ramp.com slash wad, R-A-M-P dot slash wad. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Let's wrap up with some headlines.
1: Headlines.
3: President Biden unveiled new executive actions to address gun violence yesterday. One action aimed to restrict access to so-called ghost guns, which are guns built using parts and instructions bought online, meaning the buyer doesn't need to have a background check and the gun won't have a serial number. Another rule targets stabilizing braces, which can transform pistols into more dangerous short barrel rifles. This device was used by the gunman in the Boulder, Colorado shooting just last month. And lastly, President Biden announced that the Justice Department would publish red flag legislation for states to model their own rules after. Red flag laws allow officers or family members to petition to take a person's firearms away if they are at risk to themselves or others. Biden admitted that much more needs to be done and pressed Congress to take more aggressive action.
2: Yeah, Joe Manchin, step aside. Uh, New York state will start offering relief payments to undocumented immigrants who lost their jobs during the pandemic. The state legislature approved a new budget, including a $2.1 billion excluded workers fund, which will provide one-time payments of up to $15,000 per person. An estimated 300,000 people in the state will finally get the relief they've been needing. Undocumented workers across the country were not eligible for essential federal aid, such as stimulus checks or unemployment benefits during the pandemic. And many of them came out to protest for relief in the weeks leading up to the budget deadlines, with some even participating in a three-week-long hunger strike that ended this week. The Pandemic Relief Fund is one of the largest of its kind to date, even beating out a similar program passed in California last year, which only offered a one-time $500 payment.
3: There is hope that one of Trump's first acts of presidential earth destruction can be undone. As Secretary <laughs> of the Interior Deb Holland is visiting Bears Ears National Monument in Utah this week. So Trump shrank the monument by 85% in 2017, despite its great historical and religious significance to the Navajo and four other tribes. Navajo Nation has asked Holland to help restore the monument to its original boundaries or expand it beyond them. Utah's Republican governor and other state leaders don't want that, saying they'd rather manage land locally. No D.C. elite is going to tell them that they have to respect native cultures in their own backyard. (laughs) To get a sense of how the hands-off approach is going, guides say that the 1,000-year-old cliff dwellings in Bears Ears are frequently vandalized while fossils and pottery fragments are looted. If you're doing that, you are a monster in my Mm -hmm. book. Secretary Holland is expected to recommend that the monument be restored to the 1.35 million acres that Obama designated in 2016.
2: It's kind of weird that the Republican governor is so upset about it, even though Donald Trump was not local when he made that choice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you all don't mind D.C. meddling. Um, quick update in international pageant news. There was a major controversy during the televised Mrs. Sri Lanka competition this weekend where a former winner and current Mrs. World took the crown off her successor's head and allegedly caused injuries. This happened during the televised award ceremony. Mrs. World winner Caroline Jury came on stage and announced that the 2021 Mrs. Sri Lanka winner push pika da silva was ineligible for the prize because she had been divorced that rule does actually exist because every beauty pageant has its own bad quirks but the silva later clarified that she hadn't violated it she and her husband were separated but still married thank god uh, that wasn't communicated in the heat of the moment and the crown was briefly given to the runner-up Following the Moonlight versus La La Land moment on stage, <laughs> Mrs. World was arrested yesterday and later released on bail. This all could have been avoided if Sandra Bullock had been there undercover.
3: Where is Miss Congeniality? We've been I asking.
2: Know. I mean, Mrs. Congeniality is who they really needed. Um, and those true. are the headlines. <laughs> One more thing before we go, remind your elected officials that they work for you with our new line of Hold Elected Officials Accountable merch. As always, a portion of every order in the Cricket store goes to support vote writers. Shop now at cricket.com slash store.
3: That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, get a real CDC vaccination card, and tell your friends to listen.
2: And if you're into reading and not just pageant rules like me, what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out. and Subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akilah Hughes.
3: I'm Gideon Resnick. And And protect protect bears bears ears. ears.
2: The real ones and the name of the park, you know, (laughs) bears who have ears need to be protected just as much.
3: Yeah. If there are any bears that are listening with their ears. Thank you.
2: What a Day is a production of Crooked Media.
3: It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis.
2: Sonia Tun is our assistant producer.
3: Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Aquila Hughes, and me.
2: Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.
4: I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible.